following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Yeah, we're yeah, we're the way too world's ready. not ready for this beard. <laughs> no, <laughs> hey, no. it's kind of nice though, man. I wish I could work my way up there. Yeah, I did no, for COVID for a little while, but then my wife kept on calling me homeless and was about to kick me out. I get Unabomber a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, I don't get to grow a big man beard because I, uh, I'm still in the reserves, so mm. I get I have to shave it off once every three months, man. So mm-hmm. it's like, damn it! As soon as it gets like really good and manly, it's like gone. So. Yeah, but, uh, I think I think once we start getting actually into like legit summer, I'm gonna have to at least trim it down because it's gonna be <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna be things, rough. Things got some shit growing in it, but we're good. We can, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so we'll worry about the beard later. Uh, for now, we'll start the show. And welcome back again, everyone, to the South End Zone. I'm your host tonight, uh, Eric Mulher, and I'm with, as always, my man Jason Bailey. Jason, what's up? Ah, uh, man, long time no see. It's uh, been about twenty less than twenty four hours. Less so. than, yeah. Yeah, we're back again, and uh, we're going to bang out another episode, uh, and this time about some SEC football. Thank God. Some big boy football. Yeah, so transitioning and uh, from the independent to, to the Southeast Conference. Uh, with us tonight, uh, he is the Louis LSU Tiger uh, football beat writer for TigerBait.com, Preston Guy. Preston, what's going on? Hey, guys. What's going on? Look, I, I know y'all are all glad to talk about some football here. But um, I do have to open up with a shout out for the LSU women's basketball team yes. winning the national oh, yeah. championship. I'll be yeah. so I'm the football reporter, the beat writer at our site. But I've been kind of uh, I've been coaxed into doing some women's basketball coverage. We'll be doing the parade tomorrow. So good times here in Baton Rouge. Awesome. Yeah. Congrats to those uh, those chicks, man. They were like just straight balling all year long. You catch a lot of highlights on them. They were just unreal. Yeah, a lot of energy here. First basketball championship, men or women in Baton Rouge. Interesting. Which on the surface seems kind of surprising for a school that's had guys like Shaquille O'Neal and Mahmoud Abdul Rauf come through. And, yeah, you know, a lot of big deal. names. Well, if you know anything about LSU and Pete Maravich, for that matter, um, mm-hmm. if you know anything about LSU basketball, it's it's a history of underachieving. By the way, that's a fine <laughs> beverage you got there, man. I'm a Coke Zero guy myself. <laughs> big time Coke Zero guy. <laughs> I'm normally on the Dr. Thunder, but that's a that's Oh, Dr. Thunder. My, I see oh. we don't go for name brands here. No. Oh, listen. Hey, there's a whole side story. It, there, there's, a, there's a backstory that I won't oh, waste oh, yeah. your time with. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, a- so let's jump in and just kind of rehash 2022 LSU football. Kind of a lot of people maybe were a little bit surprised. Uh, you're one of the Brian Kelly era, maybe not expecting a double digit win season. What? Won some games, maybe a lot of people didn't think they would, but some other losses were a little rough, but mm-hmm. to really good teams, right? Florida State ended up being a 10-win team. Georgia, obviously, was very, very good. Tennessee won 11 games. What were your thoughts coming out of this past season in terms of what your expectations were going in? Oh, I mean, it definitely exceeded my expectations. I think had LSU taken care of business against that awful Texas A&M team on the road, mm-hmm. I think you'd be feeling really good about this season. Um, obviously, you got outgunned against Georgia. Georgia was the better team, but even there, you showed some bright spots, and then you beat the tar out of uh, Purdue in the bowl game. But, of course, the biggest bright spot was you beat Bama. And, you know, and 
you like to act like as an SEC team that every opponent's the same. It's not, man. I mean, beating <laughs> yeah. Bama is just such a big deal in Baton Rouge. Everybody knows that's your former coach there. Every recruit you're going to recruit also has Bama in their DMs and hitting them, you know, with the recruiting. Like, it just matters to beat Alabama. And LSU hadn't beaten Alabama in Tiger Stadium since 2010. I was in high school the last time LSU had beaten Bama in Tiger Stadium. Uh, so it, it was, it's a big deal for this program to get that win. But outside of that, yeah, I mean, you lost to Florida State in one of the most wild games I've mm-hmm. ever seen. Uh, I was in the press box for that one and just, you know, they, it, it's one of those deals where when you're in the press box, you have to keep all emotions. You can't yell, you can't react, nothing, just quiet. That's probably one of the harder games to do that I that bet. I've ever been a part of just because of how wild that game was, man. You had a, a 99 yard drive and you want, you, you tied the game on the last play of the game that <laughs> you missed the extra point. You know, it's just a wild game. Of course, uh, Brian Kelly will get his third season opener in a row against Florida State next year in Orlando. So, I mean, a couple plays could have really changed it in favor of being a really big season for LSU. But also a couple plays could have gone against LSU and made it, you know, a yeah. pretty putrid. And suddenly think, you're seven and five, right? So exactly. Like yeah. think about Auburn. LSU had to come back down twenty nothing. Um, I mean, there was a lot of comebacks this season, and they got blasted by Tennessee. Uh, if you you know you're one one point two point conversion shy from losing to Alabama, uh, you could have been talking about a seven five season. But I do think that there's something to be said for that head coach who squeezes those games out and i think a lot of these early game deficits lsu found themselves in last year's roster was put together with bubble gum and paper clips and last year's roster would have never been possible without the transfer portal granted part of the reason the roster was in such bad shape was because of the transfer portal because you just had this uh, this mass exodus that we just didn't see in the era when nick saban left for the dolphins his roster stayed it was intact for here at lsu so uh, we we just saw a mass exodus and Brian Kelly did a best job. He got, took a bunch of guys who, you know, either weren't cutted on other teams or wanted to prove they could do it in the SEC. Uh, you know, took Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State who had just thrown 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions and went seven and five as a starter in the, in the uh, you know, uh, Pac-12. It was a bunch of guys not only, you know, looking for second chances, but also having to form chemistry with one another so quickly. And that's why toward the end of the year, this team really looked much, much better than it did toward the beginning of the year. And I I think a big part of that was the head coach was better than the head coaches we've seen in Baton Rouge and had more awareness in these games. I mean, how many less miles debacles had we seen over the years where, you know, uh, honestly games that he got lucky to win, he screwed up and, uh, you know, still won. But I think Brian Kelly showed much more in-game awareness. And uh, I think really uh, this team's looking really good going into the 2023 season now. Okay. Well, then on that note, as far as going into the 2023 season and some of the roster continuity that they didn't have, now they do coaching continuity and so on. Spring practice, you know, they're they're replacing some guys, right? They've got some guys leaving some holes they need to fill. So in terms of spring practice, um, one thing we'd like to look at is position battles. So where, where are those holes? Where are they looking for someone to step in and take a job? Yeah, running back is going to be a wild one. Uh, you've got six guys, which is what you need for this team. Um, and 
will there be a, a go-to back for this team? It'll be hard to tell. Brian Kelly likes to use a bunch of backs. Uh, you got two new true freshmen plus all four guys you had last year. Last year, you only had four scholarship backs at running back, and that's a problem because Brian Kelly, you know, each of the last 10 years has used four running backs who get 40 or more car- uh, carries, right? So one guy gets hurt. One guy, you know, gets suspended. Anything happens and all of a sudden he can't really run his offense the way he wanted. And we saw for the UAB game, they were down to two running backs and that, that was a problem. So will one of these true freshmen come out? Uh, you got Caleb Jackson out of Liberty High School uh, here in Baton Rouge. Very talented, a lot of top end speed. He's a track star and he's chiseled. He's a little, uh, little, little muscle hamster out there, man. I mean, he's about 5'10, 205 and just really rock solid. And then you got Trey Holly, who actually has the most rushing yards in Louisiana high school football history. Uh, tons of moves on him. Uh, little, not quite as highly rated in the recruiting rankings, but still, you know, uh, high four star type guy. He's a little guy he's about five eight and right now for spring ball it is him and noah kane noah kane of course being the former Mm. five star who transferred from penn state he's a big bruiser right but he's not he's not as versatile a back he's more of your third down punch it in for you know that that you really want to use him situationally so now it's just trey holly and noah kane for spring so it'll be interesting to see can trey holly capitalize right now he looks like a freshman i've been out to practice a couple times i saw frank wilson giving him a good ass chewing i hope a little bit of cursing's allowed here but a lot uh, of cursing is allowed okay all right cool i'll cut it up then all right so frank frank wilson gave him a good ass chewing for not giving enough effort in practice i also saw another drill where he fumbled but then kind of caught the fumble midair he looks like a a very talented freshman out there um offensive line it's going to be interesting because you bring all five starters back right Right now, your center, Charles Turner, who started 12 games, didn't start the ball game, but he's out on a little bit of a, a, a surgery he got. So he's out for spring. And you got Marlon Martinez in there at center. That'll be an interesting position battle just because Marlon Martinez started the ball game and looked very good. And then, of course, you bring in two very talented offensive linemen, uh, Mason Lunsford, who was a two-year starter at Maryland, his transferring in for a final season. Uh, not usually you don't see guys like that, you know, who, you know, were all conference type performers at Maryland come in and just want to sit the bench or be, you know, provide key backup spots, you know. Yeah. So, uh, defensively, you've got a lot of your front seven that you're, you're, you know, you're rebuilding. You've got a lot of transfers coming in. Paris Shan, Jordan Jefferson, you're going to have to rebuild. Defensive yeah, tackle. I was, lo- I was looking at the defense real quick. Like, I, I mean, call me crazy, but I'm looking at anywhere from 10 to like 13 dudes who could potentially make an impact or be expected yeah. to contribute. Yeah. Like significantly, and to me, that is just that's an insane number. Yeah, and just man, it's going to be a hodgepodge in the secondary, and so yeah, that's that's one thing we definitely want. Secondary is interesting. Uh, it's interesting because you're going to have to develop a lot of depth, but mm-hmm. uh, with that front seven, you know, you're going to have Harold Perkins there, who they're they're transitioning to middle linebacker. Remember last year he was a, a outside linebacker, right? Which in a lot of systems doesn't really matter. And when they run like a three, three, five or a three, four, four, three, cause they are multiple and do things like that. Uh, it's not that big of a deal, except for Harold Perkins was edge rushing a ton last year and he was one of the best edge rushers in the country. So, uh, people are asking me now, well, he's in the middle. 
is he still, are they going to get him down and rushing after the passer? And I'm like, well, if he's your middle linebacker, that's your quarterback of the defense. I mean, you're not just putting him uh, rushing the passer just because you feel like it. At least I assume. But maybe Matt House has a completely different idea with him. But I, he will blitz, of course. I'm sure they'll get creative with some blitz packages. But that's a different role for him that he's taking on. Of course, LSU brings in a, a tr- transfer from uh, Oregon State, Omar Spates who's looking to probably start alongside him. Uh, Omar had more than 100 tackles at Oregon State last year. I mean, he's kind of one of the transfers that you really just didn't see in the yester era of college football, you know? Yeah, and uh, Oregon State fans certainly did not appreciate him leaving. It was uh, (laughs) kind of a, a gigantic hole left on their defense that they did not see coming. Yeah, and, and it, it, that's, you know, hey, that's part of uh, business. Uh, people, West Virginia was upset to see Jordan Jefferson leave. You know, yep. uh, when Jaden Daniels transferred here, um, the players, I think, at Arizona State, like, emptied his locker and threw it all <laughs> in the trash or whatever. Yeah, you know, do. there's a lot of bitterness in the age of the transfer portal era. But, you know, for every one of those, there's uh, um, Walker Howard, who was, you know, a homegrown five-star quarterback who transfers to Ole Miss out of LSU last year. So, you know, it, it, the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh. And that's the world we're in, you know. Uh, but, yeah, Omar Spates is looking really good out there. Uh, you mentioned DB. And what's really big deal for the defensive back position is you've got two safeties coming back greg brooks and um uh, major burns right those will be your two starters right off the bat right but where's your depth at you're gonna have to develop some freshmen and some new guys coming in you got jv and taviano who was you know a five-star player on rivals uh he is looking like he's gonna play some safety and some nickel right now which one he comes i i would assume he's they're gonna work him in more at nickel right and just be the depth at safety because a nickelback gets on the field you rotate a nickel in a safety, unless a guy goes down, you're not really running too many three safety sets. I mean, you can, but it's so, it's really uncommon. And typically when you do that, it's like a blitzing safety type situation, like a rover type situation. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't see them doing too much of that. I believe they would rather use him as a nickel back to get him on the field, but also cross trained at safety to be that key backup, right? Corner is very interesting, actually, uh, for LSU. Uh, in fact, I have to go to my list here to read off the names because there's just so many names here. Um, Denver Harris is, of course, you know, the five star all world recruit who signed with A&M as part of that master monster class last year. Um, he's been getting some starting reps alongside Ty Alexander, or I'm sorry, Zy Alexander, uh, who was playing for Southeastern Louisiana, the FCS school, about 45 minutes up the road. And he was all conference, all Southland last year. He's a beast, man. I mean, tons of pick sixes, lots of interceptions, led the conference in interceptions. And he's looking really good. He's looking like the real deal. And it's always funny with these FCS guys. Sometimes, you know, they're the star at the FCS level and, They get to SEC and you start to realize, oh, okay, it was just on that level. He was dominant. And sometimes, you know, they shine. It's just, it's hit and miss with those kind of guys. But behind him, you got LaTerrence Welch and uh, you got Jeremiah Hughes coming in. Deuce Chestnut, the transfer from Syracuse, is actually coming in. J.K. Johnson is a transfer from Ohio State coming in. Uh, lots of competition there. So Brian Kelly, yes, you lot of deep, lost a lot of DBs. You did a very good job convincing Greg Brooks to come back for his, you know, fifth senior season. I, I think defensive back, they'll be fine. It, I, I'm more interested to see, uh, where things land in that front set. 
Well, you do still have some uh, freakish talent up front with guys like Mason Smith. Oh, yeah, has, he'll be back. Has just NFL freak of nature written all over him. Yeah, it's a shame he got hurt on that first drive last year. Uh, yeah. he, he was looking like he was ready for a special season, but he'll be back and Makai Wingo will be there next to him at defensive tackle. And that'll be a good duo. It's just who comes in for those guys. That's That'll be interesting. Plenty of good names I've named already. Yeah. One thing I want to kind of hit the rewind button on, you touched on it, um, Perkins mm-hmm. moving to the middle. So does him maybe having enough speed to cover guys going over the middle or backs out of the backfield have any most, is that like the crux of moving him? Because yeah. the LSU games I watched coming off the edge, he was just an absolute homewrecker. And I'm kind of surprised to hear that they're moving him out of that spot because he was so effective. Well, I think what it is is they just want him to be the quarterback of the defense. They want him in the middle. They want him, you know, in the most action. Uh, and uh, I assume Matt House, it opens up some creative blitzing decisions. But absolutely, you're, you hit on the speed. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's sub 4-5. He played running back in, in high school primarily. And he, he, was a, uh, whew, he was a blazer, man. So uh, he's got an opportunity to be like a Devin White type guy in the middle. Remember, Devin White was a, in similar fashion. And running back in high school ran about a four four forty, just really chiseled. Um, I, I think that's what they're really looking to do is put him in the middle. But of course, he can cover guys probably better than any linebacker on the team. Hmm. Probably better than some of the DBs, if you want to know the truth. But of course, <laughs> last year there was a learning curve with him getting out there. I don't. I think that they really put him in the positions they did at the outside linebacker position and just really focused on him rushing the password. Uh, um, rushing the passer i said password that was dumb um <laughs> uh just because it was uh, a, a less steep of a learning curve it's easier to tell a guy hey just go out there play your position and get after him you know rather than right. pick up this coverage and adapt to this i think now that they've got a full off season with him they they're really putting him in the role they would want to all right so just as a true freshman like hey just go to go do this don't worry yeah, about it was anything more simple, else don't which, overthink which, by it the way, just go get the ball they eased him onto the field last year too uh, they did not have him starting until the back end of the season because they were because the learning curve was just so steep. So as the season went on, it expanded more and more. But yeah, it did start with him doing that, and I applaud them for not just putting his hand in the dirt and playing defensive end like we've seen with a lot of talented linebackers who come in in the past. Well, they're not ready, but play defensive end for now. No, 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 no. We're going to train you how to play linebacker. We're going to invest in you and not have you learn an entirely new position group. You know, maybe maybe like shift you within that linebacker, but at least we're teaching you how to play linebacker, how to cover tight ends, how to do that kind of stuff uh, while we're at it. Okay, well, a question that I wanted to sort of rewind back to the offense here a little bit, because a lot of stuff that I'm reading, and I, I, don't, I honestly don't know why I'm reading it, because to me, it's just crazy. But I keep hearing about is there a quarterback controversy is there an actual competition at lsu for the quarterback position and when i go back and i look at the stats and i'm sitting here looking at Jaden daniels uh 2022 stats and i see 68 percent completion for 2917 scores and three picks to combine with 800 plus yards rushing and 11 more scores yeah i see that and i'm like what in the fuck are these people talking about there's no way that they're going to just put that guy on the bench like, no, it's his job. Would I be way off base to say that it's just there is no competition or are, is there actually something to that? There'll be no questions from me. I represent me in this issue. 
please ask me after. Garrett Nussmeyer has a strong contingency of people. They call it the Nuss bus here, right? And these guys <laughs> love them some Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, Garrett Nussmeyer has a very, very high ceiling. He has a higher ceiling than Jaden Daniels. Um, and Jaden Daniels at times has been frustrating to watch. He'll hold on to the ball too long or he'll run when he had an open receiver or, you know, just oftentimes, I mean, he's an unorthodox thrower. It doesn't really look pretty a lot of times, right? And, but it's efficient. It gets the job done. I remember looking after that Florida State loss. It was like he was the entire offense. And a lot of times this year, it was literally just him because the offensive line was struggling. The running backs weren't giving you any help and the receivers were dropping everything in sight. Uh, and it's yeah, like, go back, go back to the last drive of the Bama game when LSU <laughs> yeah. drove down the field. It was all Jaden Daniels doing everything. I mean, the offensive line was beat up, bruised, battered, and he was just out there making shit happen. So. Mm-hmm. And remember that overtime drive? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was one play. Jaden Daniels ran downfield and a, a walk on, a former walk on running back who ended up being the starting running back. Uh, Josh Williams made an awesome block downfield. Jaden Daniels makes a cut, touchdown one play later, hooks up with a true tight end. Uh, Mason and Taylor, who, by the way, is missing spring with a little minor shoulder surgery. He'll be back and fine. So this is good because now you only had one tight end you could rely on last year. And that's not that is the opposite of what Brian Kelly wants to do. So now yeah. you get to some time to focus on some two true freshmen here. But yeah, uh, it doesn't look like a quarterback competition when I go out to practice. It looks like Jaden's offense, and they're working on Nussmeyer and they're working on developing the true freshman behind him, uh, Ricky Collins. Um, yeah, Nussmeyer looks sharp, man. He looks really good at practice, but he's always looked good at practice. Uh, in the games, it's been up and downs. And tr- the difference is the last two times we saw Nussmeyer, he actually played well. Before that, he had never played well in the game. He played awful against Southern earlier this year, where Jaden Daniels was perfect in that Southern game. Of course, FCS competition, right? LSU beat the brakes off them. I think it was like, you know. Uh, 65-17, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, and, and, and trust me, that the 17 was a courtesy in the back end of the game. It was <laughs> an utter annihilation. Jaden Daniels was, I think, was like 11 for 11. Um, just, I mean, flawless. And then Nussmeyer comes in, throws a pick six, another interception, just really struggles. Um, and that just was like, all right, this isn't even close. But, you know, that as you know, as he came in off the bench for the Georgia game and the Purdue game, he kind of creeped back into that conversation. I do think he's developing. Um, I'm hoping he's maturing. Uh, the thing I've said about him for years is it's like he goes in the game and acts like every play is just fourth and 13 and you're down four when this is your last <laughs> drive. He every pass, he acts like this will be his last pass he ever makes. And he just makes the most out of it, which, you know, it, that's one of those things. Sometimes you look like a hero. Uh, sometimes you look like an idiot and mm. for the most part, he's looked like an idiot for, you know, for his first couple years, but he's toned that down. He started making a few check downs and, you know, taking more deserved shots instead of, you know, uh, just forcing things downfield because he wants to. Yeah. He's looked better. I think he'll be the best backup in the sec next year, but he, I think it'll be just that a backup who, they probably give a couple key reps. The other thing to keep in mind with him is the athletic director really likes him. Of course, he's the son of Doug Nussmeyer and they have ties that goes way back. So they, that's why they really wanted to kind of push him in for the bowl game to tr- to keep him happy, to keep him around um, because uh, they, they, he's a guy they really like. But I, I, I do think he's the 2024 quarterback. I don't think he'll be a guy who pushes for starting time unless Jaden gets hurt. 
So we're going to get to the schedule in just a minute because we did talk about it. But first, since we've kind of gone over some names, spring ball, position battle type stuff, when we do our end of the season award show, um, we did ours a couple months ago. One of the awards we give out is the Conor McGregor Who the Fook is That Guy Award, uh, which is kind of a you know breakout player of the year for us, effectively. Uh, someone who kind of comes out, out of nowhere, has a big year, makes a name for themselves. Uh, for instance, Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, was our winner this past season, right? That type of player. Mm. So if you were going to pick a guy off the 2023 LSU roster who could potentially be a Conor McGregor Award candidate, who who would be your choice? And I'm, I'm assuming this is a guy like just not on your radar, or well, might it would be, be yeah, it would be not on it would be not on our like an outsider's like radar. a national LSU, radar. Yeah, LSU right. fans might be familiar, but somebody who right, is a Virginia then. fan might have no clue who this guy. All right, is. well then, okay. As as a as an LSU fan, this one's going to sound really <laughs> obvious, right? But from outsider perspective, Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver, he was the leading receiver last year. Although media spotlight, he got outshined by. Keishon Butte. Malik Neighbors is a freak. He has tons of athletic ability. He will be the go-to guy, and there's obviously a lot more chemistry going on there, and hopefully the offensive line will be much better than it was a year ago, uh, and you'll see more time to get him the ball. Uh, don't be surprised if Malik Neighbors is a guy with like 1,200 yards next year. You see him on some award watch list. He, he's a good player. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll probably be a guy people are talking about. Uh, another guy I'd keep on your, uh, watch out is, and this could be a number of running backs, but Josh Williams is a guy who really nobody expected to contribute a big time role last year. And, you know, like, you know, I mentioned the block against Bama. He's a, a five star heart kind of player, two star recruit, five star heart, uh, a guy you really like and root for. I mean, if he's going to be your starting running back, I mean, watch out for him. He, he might be in store for a thousand yard season. Those are two names I'll throw out there. Hmm, awesome. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Cause, uh, neighbors, I mean, he'll probably, I would be willing to bet he's probably preseason all SEC if I was just throwing wide receiver names against the wall. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I so. just have to, I'd have to look at the list, but my guess is that, you know, there, there's probably a lot of other guys. I mean, neighbors had a thousand yard season last year, but again, I feel like most guys around the SEC aren't really going to know of him as well because yeah. there wasn't much media spotlight around him. Now, if you want me to go more obscure than that, I could tell you Aaron Anderson. Uh, he's a receiver transferring from Bama. Transfer He'll be from Bama, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's hurt right now, but I could see him coming in and returning kicks and punts and really making a name for himself doing that. All right. So Jason and I, before you, before you hopped in, we were looking at the, the schedule. Um, and there's really no easing into the schedule this year because you're, mm-hmm. like you said, you're, you're playing in Orlando, which is effectively a home game for a Florida state team that returns just about everybody of consequence from a, a 10 and three squad. The thing that jumped out at us is three of their first four conference games are on the road, you know, at Mississippi state, Arkansas at home, at Old Miss, at Missouri. How, like, I guess, how do you feel about that? Like what, what on the schedule concerns you other than well, that Alabama? You're right. Three out of four on the road is tough. And then that's on the heels of going to Orlando, which is basically a home game for Florida state being right up the road there. But I'll say this. I mean, those three, those, those three away games you're talking about, you're talking about going at Mississippi state, mm-hmm. which will be, you know, rebuilding with, you know, Mike Leach, rest in peace. You know, he, he's out. They got a new coach. They're breaking in there. Uh, then you're talking about at Ole Miss. 
we'll see. Ole Miss is gonna be a tough game. It, uh, it always is. But yeah, you got you got to totally roll the dice on Ole Miss, man. The, the Portal uh, King. It's a whole new team every year, and just roll the dice, man. Because you they, have no. I guess the quarterback from Oklahoma State will be their starting quarterback, but we'll see. They've got three guys there who all three are very capable. We'll see again, like you said, roll the dice, but it's not like it's like a, uh, you know, I'm expecting Tennessee, Georgia, Bama. Those are th- going to be tough, tough games. I don't think Ole Miss is going to be on the level of, of those guys next year. And then uh, at Missouri, I mean, I, I feel like those are what I would call manageable. Of course, they're all SEC games. Of course, they're all on the road. But I, I like that because toward the back end of the schedule, okay, so you got Bama on the road, right? But, I mean, you're you're taking on Auburn at home, and then you're taking on Florida at home, and then you're taking Texas A&M at home. So the back half of the schedule, which is typically where things get tough for LSU, right, you're, you're only having to leave Baton Rouge once. So yes, you you make that sacrifice early on, going on the road a bunch. But uh, toward the end of the year, if LSU is going to be in position to kind of punch in a playoff run, you know all the tools are there. And and, and you know looking at LSU's schedule, I believe there's two games LSU won't be favored against, or it'll be very very tight in the spread. Uh, and it's Florida State and Alabama, and I think both those games are going to have a very very tight spread. All the other games LSU is going to be favored next year. Uh, and, and especially to open the season, uh, Florida, I'll be interested to see what Billy Napier can do there. Obviously tons of talent, but you know, you hear, you know, a lot of disorganization coming out of Florida expectations seem to be pretty low from them. We'll see if that actually turns out, uh, Texas A&M can, can Jimbo finally put it all together next year. And, uh, LSU should be the better team for those games, but you know, that's, that's SEC. We'll always have to see what plays out, but expectations are the, the schedule is one of the more manageable schedules you'll ever see for LSU. Granted. That, that, that's funny too, because I mean, you talk, you talk about Missouri and uh, trips to Mizzou and Mississippi state and Ole Miss. And yeah, those aren't very daunting teams, but for your average, you know, listener who doesn't watch SEC football religiously, the SEC is a fucking grind. Yeah. And, I mean, you take Georgia last year. They went on the road to Mizzou and damn near got beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mizzou gave them all they wanted. Oh, yeah. So you can't sleep on any teams on LSU's schedule. You can't. You can't. Yeah. But, you know, if we're going to ask the question, we're comparing it to what we're used to. And that's yeah. an insane yeah. SEC yeah. grind. And that's yeah. that's the reality of this stuff, you know. So you mentioned the word disorganized, um, which is a natural segue for me into the Auburn game. Um, <laughs> so what what do you make of Auburn just in, in terms of an opponent? Because I haven't figured out what I think Auburn's going to look like next year. Man, I, I think it'd be a pretty quick, uh, pretty quick rebuilding job for Hugh Freeze to turn that thing around in, in year one. I mean, you got a lot of pieces you get to put together, and I understand the transfer portal is what it is. They got a linebacker from LSU who uh, was going to start here, by the way. Man, I just I think it would be pretty high expectations to say Auburn should have a winning record in the SEC next year. I mean, Hugh Freeze is a good coach, no, no doubt. Um, especially, you know, if you can keep his burner phone away from him, great coach. But uh, even at Ole Miss, you saw he had his ups and downs. And I don't I don't think he ever quite got handed a situation as bad as Ole Miss as what he's getting at Auburn. So I, I would temper my expectations for Auburn. Yeah. I mean, they're just 
they're usually kind of a wild card in general. And then you introduce <laughs> that dude into the mix and it gets even a little more, uh, you know, questionable as far as what can you really expect, uh, you know, wider variance, I guess maybe is what I'm trying to say. So, well, Eric, unless you got anything else, man, we can let Preston get on out of here. No, I, I think we are all wrapped up. We got through all my questions and the stuff I want to talk about. So now I'm, I'm up to speed on the tigers. Appreciate all right, it, guys. Hey, good stuff, yeah, man. man. Y'all Preston, did your homework much- today. Yeah, we very much appreciate you taking the time to come on and uh, chat some LSU with us. And uh, much to my chagrin, your your team drilled mine in, uh, with a two-point <laughs> conversion right through the heart. So thank you very yeah. much for that. And I hope you lose this year on the road. Well, if, if it makes you feel better, um, <laughs> I was supposed to go uh, interview the GOAT after that. Um, and I went down to the field to get to his press conference, and I was met by a wall of human flesh. So. Oh. I missed my Nick Saban interview. I was going to piss him off with some question, but you know, maybe, maybe next year. Probably. (laughs) Maybe so. Well, all right, Preston, we'll let you get back to it, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. I'll catch you. Appreciate it, Preston. All right. LSU. So again, 10 and four last year, it'd be curious to see kind of a front loaded schedule. Jason, I kind of feel like 10 and four is, you know, or or 10 and three is kind of in the cards for them again this season. If I had to guess and i don't know if that would feel like a disappointment to lsu fans because i think they could be a better team and have a similar record yeah the only concerns with them that i have because i I feel really optimistic about them like you know i feel like the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts you know does that make sense like i feel like as a total team, they'll be pretty good, but I think there are some weak spots where, especially with regard to depth, you know, you bring in 10 to 13 transfers and uh, freshmen and you're expecting those guys to really, you know, contribute on the defensive side of the ball. The secondary is going to be boom or bust for this team, in my opinion, just, you know, here on April the 4th or whatever today is. It, to me, if I'm just looking at it, Secondary is going to be the deciding factor of whether this team can win, you know, 10, 11 games or eight games. Because, I mean, we've seen good teams in the past, like take Arkansas last year, where they lose two to three guys in the secondary and all of a sudden they're getting the shit kicked out of them. You know what I'm saying? So uh, if they can avoid something like that, then I think they'll be fine. But, you know, they've just got to find the right comp. I think they're not short on athletes. They're just going to find the right combination of dudes that can get it done. But I'm pretty optimistic about them. I'm, I would imagine their Vegas total will be something around nine and a half or so if I had to just ballpark it. Yeah, I think if I, you know, gun to my head, I would expect something. Vegas seems to like round numbers for the SEC West the last couple of years. So I, I think right yeah. at nine would be the number I would expect if I had to choose. Yeah, because, I mean, you you got, like you said, you got two games they're probably not going to be favored in, which is Bama and Florida State. And then it's kind of, do you expect them to maybe drop a game somewhere along the way, like an old Miss or like a Texas A&M who is, you know, probably going to be better than that dumpster fire they put on the field last year. So it's, you know, and who knows what Florida's going to have. So it's kind of, their Vegas total will be really interesting and I think really telling uh, as far as what everybody actually thinks they're going to do. So we'll I'm see. Already, what, I'm already getting nervous about picking on picking these guys because <laughs> I think I was way off last year. But Samsonite. Yeah. So we'll go ahead. We'll close the book on LSU, um, at least temporarily. Uh, next week, we will be back with Josh McQuistian. 
Sooner Scoop. We're going to talk Oklahoma Sooners football. Oh, and man. I can't wait for that. Yeah, we're we're going to get as many of these uh, team-centric reporters and, and gather as much info on these teams through spring practice and, and enough outlooks. Hopefully, we'll do a little better on these Vegas totals this season. So, information well, I don't know what. Hey, I don't know what your problem was with the Vegas totals. I went like fucking 9-1 and one in the Big 12, big dog. I, I was fine in the Big 12. I didn't well, in the Big 12, you were fine, yeah. I, I think I, <laughs> did I, did I win overall? I don't remember. I think you did win overall because of your record in the Big Ten where yeah. you went like 13-1. and one. Yep. Yeah, we all got annihilated in the SEC, but uh, I I dominated in the Pac-12 and the Big 12, but uh, the Big Ten and the SEC and the or well, Big the Ten eight, I was okay. ACC and SEC was a bloodbath. Yeah, ACC killed all of us. Um, yeah. So, but nowhere to go but up. So we'll we'll be talking Oklahoma Sooners next week, and until then, you guys can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. Uh, same handle, Jason, I believe, for uh, Instagram, TikTok. Yep, uh, Instagram, shorts. TikTok, Twitter. That's all South End Zone Pod. And we're also on YouTube, uh, youtube.com uh, slash South End Zone Pod. You can find us on all the interwebs there. And uh, if you like the show, feel free to subscribe. It helps us out. It helps us get the show out to more people. And uh, hopefully all these team previews and uh, off-season look-ins are going to help us make better decisions betting. Maybe we can help you make a little money as well. So Everybody wins. All right. Well, until next <laughs> week, uh, everyone stay safe and look out for each other. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. <laughs>